Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. This week's episode is supported by another true crime podcast called True Crime Cast. Small town murders are often overlooked, but they can be just as bloody and unsettling as any high-profile murder. True Crime Cast brings these crimes to light. Join Jamie and John as they discuss a different crime each week. Hear about small town Appalachian murder mysteries that have flown under the radar until now. Listen to True Crime Cast on your podcast app of choice. Distributed by Stoveleg Media. Welcome to Case Closed, a podcast about the times the bad guys don't get away with the times the good guys discover exactly who the killer is, and how sometimes that's just the beginning of the story. I'm Charlie Spicer. When we left off last episode, Chris Lee's trial for the first-degree murder of Aaron Corwin was finally underway, after years of legal maneuvering and delays by the defense. Aaron's friends and family had gone on the stand, and authorities had testified on the evidence the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department had collected. An expert said there was a 1 in 16 billion chance that DNA samples found in the mine shaft where Chris dumped Aaron's body belonged to anyone else. It seemed like the case was closed. But then something unusual happened. On Thursday, October 27th, the defense called their first and only witness, Christopher Lee. When Chris takes the stand, the courtroom is very stunned. The fact that Chris was taking the stand was unusual, according to author Shanna Hogan. Defendants in murder cases don't usually testify in their own defense, so everyone wanted to know what Chris was going to say. The courtroom was filled with people who knew and loved Erin, like her mother, Lore. But people who had never met Erin showed up too, like John Norman, who had led the search and rescue team that found her body. I just wanted to, to see Christopher Lee and, you know, kind of just see the face of the person that we'd hunted for seven weeks. What was that like? That was kind of surreal. It was a strange experience. You know, actually seeing this person who kind of only existed as a picture or a, you know, item on the news uh, and this abstract thing we were looking for, uh, actually in the flesh and speaking, uh, it was kind of disturbing, to be honest. Actually, it was very disturbing. And it would only become more disturbing as Chris Lee's testimony got underway. Chris's defense attorney started walking him through his life story, how he had met and married Nicole, how he had come to 29 Palms from Alaska and had served the two tours of duty in Afghanistan. 
As prosecutor Sean Daughtery expected, the defense focused on how Chris returned from Afghanistan and entered a deep depression, and how that led to his relationship with Aaron. He talked about how when he came back, he returned depressed and was having PTSD symptoms. He had cut out people in his life, wasn't talking to his family, wasn't talking to Nicole, and how his way of dealing with his depression was his affair with Aaron, that he fell in love with Aaron and that they had this affair and that he wanted to be with her at one point. Things changed when Aaron got pregnant. On the stand, Chris admitted for the first time that he knew about Aaron's pregnancy. Chris said he had many discussions with Aaron and that Aaron was unsure of whose baby it was, whether it was Chris's or John's, but had been open with him about that. He had, at that point, decided he was leaving the Marines and he was staying with Nicole, and he said he had talked with her about that and that she was okay with it. Chris told Aaron that he still planned to leave the Marines and go back to Alaska with Nicole. Chris said that before he left, the pair decided to meet up to discuss what they were going to do. The day they decided on was Saturday, June 28th. Chris admitted for the first time that, yes, he had been planning on meeting Aaron the day and that they had met outside of Joshua Tree Park, that she had gotten in his Jeep, and that they had driven to the area where the mine shafts were outside of Joshua Tree National Park. Chris said that his plan that day was to light a tire fire and blow up a mine shaft and that in between those activities, he was going to talk to Aaron about the baby and his plans to leave. When they reached the mine shafts, Aaron and Chris got out of the car and started walking around the desert. At one point, they're talking about their relationship, and Aaron is, is saying that she wants to be, she wants to be with Chris, that she's willing to go to Alaska, and that she wants to be part of his daughter Liberty's life. At that point, Chris said he had this weird feeling. He thought it was suddenly odd that Aaron was interested in Liberty, and why would she love Liberty? Why would she care about Liberty? Chris said, suddenly, a memory from several months earlier resurfaced. Chris had some sort of flashback of this memory of finding a rash around Liberty's crotch area sometime after Aaron had babysat Liberty. At the time, Nicole accused Aaron of possibly molesting their daughter. Chris said that at the time, he never believed Nicole, but suddenly hearing how much Aaron loved his daughter, that he suddenly flew into this rage, thinking that Aaron had done something to Liberty. Chris said that he was confronting Aaron and, and asking her, did you, did you touch Liberty? Did you molest Liberty? And at one point, Aaron just blurts out, yes, but, and he said that was the last word he ever heard her say. Chris said he backed up to the Jeep and suddenly he felt the garrote that he had made in his hand. And he sneaks, he kind of enraged, he sneaks up behind Aaron and he wraps the garrote around her neck, twists her around so that they're back to back, and lifts her up so her feet are off the ground. He 
Luke stays in that position for more than a few minutes, choking the life out of Aaron until he eventually drops her and she slumps to the desert floor. He sat there for a minute and looked at Aaron's body. Then he dragged her by the garrote handles and then dropped her face first into the mine shaft. Chris appeared to be crying on the witness stand as he confessed, but the audience in the courtroom never saw any tears. Chris said that only during his time in jail did he realize what he had done and that he knew that he had to tell the truth, but he didn't do that the entire time he was, you know, he didn't do that the entire time the, two, the many years he was in jail waiting trial, he decided to only tell the story for the first time on the stand. At this point in the trial, you could hear a pin drop in the courtroom. It was just the most shocking point of the trial for him to admit in graphic detail what he did to Aaron, that he had, you know, disposed her in the mine shaft like a piece of trash. When we come back from the break, the court deals with the aftermath of Chris's confession and his accusations against Aaron. This episode is supported by the new memoir, Hollywood Godfather, by Gianni Russo. Gianni Russo had no acting experience when he walked onto the set of The Godfather in 1971. Fortunately, he didn't need to know how to act. At 25, he already knew the mob inside and out. His adventures with the mob started when he was a boy in Little Italy, where mafia legend Frank Costello took him under his wing. Over the years, Russo went on to befriend Frank Sinatra, Marlon Brando, Marilyn Monroe, Liza Minnelli, and many more exciting people. Now, in Hollywood Godfather, he tells a no-holds-barred story about a life filled with violence, glamour, sex, and fun. Robert De Niro called Hollywood Godfather a worthy read, and Publishers Weekly agrees that it packs a punch. You can find a copy of Hollywood Godfather wherever books are sold. It's available in hardcover, ebook, and digital audio. Again, that's Hollywood Godfather by Gianni Russo. Click the link in the show notes to learn more. Think about the last time you had a breakfast you felt good about, something that actually nourished your body. With Daily Harvest, eating a healthy breakfast is easy and delicious. Daily Harvest delivers more than 50 carefully sourced, chef-crafted smoothies, savory bowls, overnight oats, and more, all built on fruits and vegetables. Everything stays fresh in your freezer until you're ready to eat it. And prep is easy. All you have to do is add water or milk, heat, and enjoy. Daily Harvest is the easiest, most delicious way to load up on fruits and vegetables any time of day. My own favorite is the strawberry and peach smoothie. Go to daily-harvest.com and enter promo code CASECLOSED, 
all one word, to get three cups free in your first box. That's promo code CASECLOSED for three free Daily Harvest Cups at daily-harvest.com. daily-harvest.com. Christopher Lee had confessed on the stand to murdering Aaron Corwin. Everyone was stunned. It's a pretty weighty moment in court because Chris has, for the first time, admitted that he had killed Aaron, that he was the one responsible for her death. But that disbelief intensified when Chris accused Aaron of molesting his six-year-old daughter, Liberty. Suddenly, the defense's focus on Aaron's younger sister, Tricia, and her premature death snapped into focus. The other parts of his story just didn't make any sense, and no one took the, the accusations of molestation seriously. It was just kind of considered outlandish. Aaron's mom knew that he was going to do something to disparage Aaron's character and knew it would have to be made up. He did not see him carrying a paper up there, but it sure looked like he was reading off a paper. And some of it was not his vocabulary. Aaron's mother, Lore, was not the only one who was not impressed by Chris's testimony. I don't think anyone in the courtroom believed it, not even for a minute. This was an attempt by Chris and his defense attorney to try and reduce the charges against him and ultimately get him some sort of form of parole. If Chris was found guilty of first-degree homicide, he would have been sentenced to the rest of his life in prison without the possibility of parole. But if the jury believed his claims that he had done this in some sort of sudden passion, that he was like not in his right mind when he killed Aaron, he could have possibly gotten reduced charges of second-degree murder or manslaughter, which would have meant that he would have served some time in prison, but would have eventually gotten out and been able to start his life again. Once the defense finished asking questions, it was Prosecutor Sean Daughtery's turn. He confronted Chris with all the changing lies in his story, that he originally said that he didn't know Aaron when police confronted him. Then he admitted that he did know Aaron and he had an affair, but he cut it off. Eventually admitted that he saw Aaron's car that day, and now for the first time was saying that he saw Aaron and that he was planning on being with her that day and was the ultimate one who took her life. The prosecutor also hammered him on the details of the molestation accusation. Why did Chris, if he had suspected Aaron of molestation, why did he never call the police? They never took liberty to see a pediatrician. They never told anyone else on the base. So it was this really outlandish thing that there was no proof that he ever really believed that in any way. They started talking about all the lies that he had told over the years and all the inconsistencies in his story. They confronted him with the fact that Chris had been Googling ways of disposing of a body. The prosecution also had Chris demonstrate how he killed Aaron. They brought in a dummy for Chris to demonstrate for the jury exactly what he had done. And so the prosecutor had Chris step down from the witness stand and using a garrote, he demonstrated how he went behind the dummy and wrapped the garrote around the dummy's neck, twisted and turned around and held it in place 
and the prosecutor kept hammering you know how long how long is it now 10 seconds you know you could have dropped her at this point and chris said no and then a few seconds later you know it's been now 30 seconds you could have dropped her at this point and chris said no and said that he 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 was just fueled by his rage and there was no way he could drop her and he had to have killed her at this point as the trial wound to a close the prosecution and the defense had one last chance to speak to the jury in their closing statements. The prosecution said Chris's confession was designed to get the charges reduced to second-degree murder. It was scripted. It was rehearsed. It was meant to con you, Daughtery said. Then the defense took their final shot. The defense also gave their closing arguments and spoke directly to the jury for the first time, arguing that, yes, Chris was responsible for Aaron's death, but he should not be found guilty of first-degree homicide because of the mitigating factors, that he was in a rage, that he had had mental issues in the military, and that it was a sudden passion defense, and that the jury should find Chris guilty of manslaughter or second-degree murder. After 10 days of disturbing testimony from nearly two dozen witnesses, it was finally up to the jury to decide Chris's fate. The next morning, the jurors arrived at 10 a.m., and at 1 p.m., word broke. A verdict had been reached. The jury meets for the first time, and they take a vote. And within 15 minutes, the jury decides that they are unanimous that Chris is guilty of murder. They're unanimous right away. No one, no one even took his accusations of molestation seriously for even a minute. They just all agreed right away that Chris had admitted to killing her, that it was first-degree murder, and that he was guilty. The jurors file back into the courtroom and they read their verdict of guilty. And on the defense table, Chris sort of sighs and he drops his shoulders, but he really doesn't have a very dramatic response. In the gallery, Laura is, is overwhelmed with emotion and the time that she had spent in court. She feels like she can barely walk and can barely leave the courtroom. John is also in the courtroom and he just felt such a sigh of relief that the jurors had seen the truth and that this was something that was now over and he could put behind him. But although the case against Chris Lee seemed to be over, Aaron Corwin's story was not. Not yet. Next time on the final episode of this season of Case Closed. Outside of the courthouse, cameras are lined up on the sidewalk, and as she's walking past, she screams at the press, put that camera down, he's a former Marine, show some respect. I don't, I don't understand why that guy did that. He was going to leave, why do that? Why didn't you just leave? You know, that's what her mom and I keep saying, why didn't he just leave? I guess it's technically justice, but it's not. I don't want to say it's not enough, but it's not. Nothing's ever going to bring her back. I feel like just about everybody that was involved with this case were, were taking it personal. I mean, God has touched so many people through Aaron. <laughs> <laughs>
and he, he is continuing to do so. Case Closed is a production of Macmillan Podcasts. The show is produced by Katie Ferguson with help from Becky Celestina, Camila Salazar, Sarah Grill, and Alyssa Martino. Huge thanks to Shanna Hogan. To learn more about Aaron Corwin's story, pick up a copy of Shanna's new book, Secrets of a Marine's Wife, now available at any bookstore or as an audiobook. We'll be back with our last episode next Tuesday. I'm Charlie Spicer. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>